Welcome to Local Share Green Action Podcast. This show is produced by Go Green Locally, a 501c3 nonprofit providing tools and resources for people that are looking for ways to take even more successful local action that makes a difference for our people and our planet. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who has been participating in various roles using multimedia to share stories that seek to honor and value all life on Earth. I'm speaking with T. Addison Brown, who creates multimedia stories as a fundamental and immersive form of communication that intends to engage on an intuitive and sensory level. Guided by Buddhist teachings, her activities have emphasis on safeguarding all forms of life. During her tenure as a director of philanthropy for the Levity Foundation, she created the See Me Project South Africa, a Kodak-sponsored photography event that partnered with South African organizations NOAA, Love Life, and Kwamashu Township. By giving cameras to children, this project allowed the children to become storytellers. This project brought global awareness to the lives of orphaned children living with the impact of HIV AIDS. She directed and produced the documentary film, See Me, with Los Angeles-based production company, Intuitive Entertainment. The film, See Me, was narrated by Academy Award-winning actress, Susan Sarandon. By enjoying the collaboration with Intuitive Entertainment, Addison created and served as a consulting producer on the Lifetime television series, Top This Party Los Angeles and Top This Party Las Vegas. Currently, Addison is directing her focus on the Emerging World Project, where she serves as co-founder and creative director. EWP is a transmedia storytelling project in response to the multitude of system changes where we are seeing in the world today. Through immersive storytelling and conversations with some of the most incandescent minds, EWP is creating advocacy campaigns, documentary films, and graphic novels that promote personal and collective transformation aimed at asking the hard questions about humanity, its past, present, and future. The EmergingWorldProject.org, their first audio media project, is the podcast, What Are You Doing Here?, where Addison serves as its host and is joined by co-host, 12-year-old environmental activist, Marley. Welcome to the show, Addison. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and, and looking forward to having this conversation with you. Yeah, well, thank you. I'm so excited to speak with you and learn more about your path of green action through multimedia and projects that cover work going on in various locations across the globe. So what planted the seeds for you originally to want to start taking some kind of action to help the planet? Wow. I would say that it was an accumulation of activities. So when I did um, one of my bigger projects in South Africa, I became aware of how the changes in the planet affected and intersected all of these other areas. And that made me sense to put my focus in the climate um, as sort of the, the fundamental area that needed to be focused on. And then all the projects sort of dovetailed from that as as Mother Earth as fundamental first. So when you were growing up, did you know that you wanted to be involved in media in some way? Mm-hmm. I think so. I was always drawn to 
documentary films, documentary nature films, foreign films, uh, curiosity about other cultures and the way that they experienced the world. And I remember me (laughs) with some um, friends of mine, young friends of mine that I've had all of my life, we would make these food show videos before food shows were like a thing because we were only like 10 years old and we'd go in the kitchen and and my friend Lena would be on the camera. She's a photographer now, of course, and she'd be on the camera and I'd be in there cooking. And so, yeah, it was just a, a fascinating um, curiosity about uh, this way of communicating. Absolutely. So after working um, in the media industry for a while, did you move towards doing more re- uh, media related to environmental or community realm issues? Um, I guess, like, how did you? Yes, that is a definitive yes. Of course, exacerbated and heightened by COVID in 2020, 2019, I made a very clear decision to to develop a community, sensing that this this was a, a really big sign, a really big sign from Mother Earth, almost as if she grounded us and said, go to your room and think about what you kids are doing because we need to change. And which is a funny metaphor, because when I did the Simi project, Mm -hmm. I I literally stayed in one home with one other person, the other executive producer, and we just fought this entire project out. And whenever we would go out, whether it was to exercise, to eat, something would happen, a a person would would show up for us. And so we we figured, oh, this is it. We just have to focus in this intense space. So when we were in lockdown, the silver lining was that I knew that I could intensify this sort of focus about what I was going to do, what I wanted to do. And I, and I recognized that community was going to play a very big part of this and to create a community where we would all co-create and work together towards uh, coming up with solutions and innovations through a creative fashion, through media, through art, um, and most of my friends um, already in my community are involved involved in the arts, so it was an easy an easy phone call. But I knew that our focus would be on the things that we needed to to do um, in in light of the climate crisis, which you know had always has always been there, but we just have not put our spotlight on it. So um, it coincided with kind of the beginning of the pandemic. Um, Okay, excellent. It did indeed. Excellent. Um, And can you share a little bit about the CME project um, in South Africa and what made this unique and also effective? Yes, um, I think unique was I experienced the AIDS pandemic uh, in the latter part of my 20s. So the latter part of my 20s, I was having friends in my life die. And at that age, you don't think that your friends are going to die. Mm. So I had to wrestle with, you know, come to some sort of understanding about death and what this was. So I was, I had already started to become involved in the work with AIDS in the San Francisco Bay Area. So I knew that I wanted to do that. And then I broadened my vision for who else was affected outside of that. And it was children and entire communities. So you had a whole generation of children that um, 
in South Africa and in Asia, in all over the world that were affected by this pandemic that had that, uh, excuse me, uh, by the HIV AIDS pandemic that lost their parents. So here you have an entire generation orphaned. And that was a huge concern to me. Like, how are these children going to, to grow into whole yeah. or become their whole selves? So that was yeah. my immediate thing. Okay, well, let's focus on children. And the, and the CIMI project is, um, is global. So there's other, there's CIMI South Africa, then there's CIMI China, then there's CIMI uh, India. So with CIMI South Africa, the idea was to use art again to, to engage children and to see the world, their world through their eyes. So right, so when you pick up a camera and I take a picture, it's usually the way I see it. And the idea was to give this camera to these children to show us what they saw. And then my other idea was to involve the community already so that I wasn't a person coming in to tell this story, but this community was going to tell this story for us and I was going to record it. And I thought that would be the most effective way is to just hear it firsthand, to hear mm -hmm. the stories from direct mm -hmm. experience, which I still believe to this day is the most effective way to understand another person's experiences, to hear it from them directly. Mm -hmm. So the, <laughs> the one thing though, is that there, uh, it, there was a lot of people that wanted to be involved. And there was a lot of children affected by this. And so narrowing it down to just 300 children in one section of, of South Africa, Durban, Kwamashu Township to be uh, specific, was a task. But I knew that if you could identify, if you watched this film and you could hear the story of a handful of children, you were more apt to pay a deeper attention to it. And the 1 million point five, 1.5 million children wouldn't be so daunting. So narrowing it down to just 300, which was a task in and of itself, also was thought of to be a most effective way to approach it. And it was because we could go back and follow those children yeah. as they grow this decade later, as they've grown and what their lives have come into. And a lot of people have become aware of their lives and atta attached in that way to understanding it as it affects you know, that generation. So yeah, there was a lot, that was a, a, a lot of thought process um, went into that. Months and months and months of just reworking it and reworking it and reworking it and then getting the community involved um, on that, on their end, right? So in Kwamashu, even though these children um, are orphaned, they don't live in the orphanage. They actually live inside the community, in their township. So the whole community is taking care of them, which is the most beautiful and exquisite Thing. So they don't they don't identify as orphans. They're, they identify as part of a community. So when they go after school, they'll go to to the orphanage to eat and to there's a garden there and a playground and then spend time with each other. And wow. then they'll go back into their community, into the homes that they're they're living in and being raised, and of course wow. the the church. So um, which I believe is a just a beautiful program, an insanely effective program for these children to be raised in that fashion. That says a lot about the community there. It really does. Yeah, yeah. it really, it really does. Most beautiful, most beautiful. What year, what, what year was that? So that was 10 years ago. So 10 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Just, just a decade. It just came up oh. across 
a decade. Mm. Yeah. Must be impressive to stay in contact with people from the film and children growing up. Yeah. It, you know, it is, yeah. it's, it's, it's something to think about, right? So we, we're aware of the lifespan of our life and maybe the, some tragedy we may have. And we have to remember that we carry that through the entirety of our life and coming into our wholeness and the healing of that is a time period. So for me, you know, looking at the lives of children that have experienced a trauma so early on, it is to, it's important for me to continue to be a part of that, whether it's just even spiritually or energetically, you know, whether I'll make another film on that exact community, but to be a part of that so that we can heal as a whole is tremendously important to me. This is probably why I only, I try to have us focus only on a couple of programs, um, you know, a couple of projects to really just dig in deep to that and stay with it. Because um, these lives are, our lives are short. Yeah. And so that's a lot of lives you impacted too. And healing is... 300. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Can you tell us about your um, co-founding of the Emerging World Project and the work that you're doing? Yes, absolutely. And that work is still evolving. Um, we're two years old. Um, and as I said earlier, it's a project that uh, was born um, of the COVID pandemic and growing. And like I said, we, I want to focus on what I feel is most prevalent and for us, right? So to me, it's putting life at the center of our decision-making, just putting all of life at the center of our decision-making. So let's say we break that down. One of the, one of the focus is regeneration. This is a big thing. So if we look at um, how we can look at how we can regenerate this planet to continue to live, there's many areas. So we're focusing on the food systems, right? So if, if our soil is damaged and the air is polluted, there's these things that have accumulated that has made human health and human life deteriorate. How do we focus on areas that people can be involved in that are not, again, not so mind boggling, just very simple things that you can think about every single day where you consider life, whether it's helping life or injuring life, whether it's, whether it's helping your body or injuring your body, whether it's always putting life at the center of that and the more than human world, because the more than human world is, is, is where we may have tripped ourselves up. We may have been so focused on our own survival mm-hmm. and extraction uh, from the earth that we've forgotten our connection, our deep connection to this earth that, that provides for us. So this reciprocity is a, a major talking point for us. And like I said, we're two years old, so there's, we're still evolving. We're still sort of um, fleshing out and also bringing people in. Again, community is tremendously important. Not so much that you know we're all on the same page per se, but that it's not a, it's not a project that has the typical hierarchy at its base. We have a, this roundness at our base. Again, it's the more than human world. So we put ourselves you know, in that circle, not, not at the top of it. So we don't make decisions as human beings 
from the top. We make decisions as human beings within all of this, minerals, plants, other humans, you know, the sky, the water, the soil. And that makes for really rich and deep connection. And I think as human beings, that connection is one we need to, to remember ourselves into. Well said, well said. So how was it shifting? I know you've done um, more in the video or film realm and then shifting to more of the audio. Do you enjoy it? I do. Thank you for asking that question. It is a shift because it, as a director and as a person that, that spends a lot of time observing, to have to actively and intentionally listen to people from all over the world young people, older people, all types of beautiful humans I get to speak with. And to, to, to heighten this sense of listening, deep listening, slowing down my thought process to hear you is powerful, not only for myself and, and the, the wholeness of myself, but that person too. And then they go and talk to somebody else and then somebody else. And, and also recognizing that every Everybody is, is, is called. Answering that is, is somewhat of a struggle because we've been conditioned to, to do what we think we need to do. You know, we're conditioned by our families and society and culture. And sometimes we don't hear the intuition of what it is that we really are called to do, really. Like I spent 15 years as a chef and I love cooking, but I, I personally don't eat meat. And this cognitive dissonance when I was working for other people and making this showed me that I was not listening to my true self. I was not listening to the, the truth of what my calling is. And so it also then expanded that, right? So my, now the way that I look at food has expanded and that's, that's part of, you know, our growth. So talking to people on a regular basis, because we try and have an, you know, an episode every other week, which you know, I talk to people all the time in my life, but they're the same people, but to talk to somebody different, it's, it's in, in tremendous joy. It's inspiring. It has opened up so many different avenues and so many different perspectives for me to enjoy and examine and reconsider. And I love that. I love it. I truly do. Oh, that's excellent. Excellent. What might be a challenge that you faced in your multimedia or nonprofit work, and maybe how are you overcoming it? Yeah, there's lots of challenges. Their emerging world, interesting, is that for me to look at the way we've done things in the past, that's going to be uh, normal, um, and want to see what can emerge, what is trying to emerge from that. So again, the, this triangle, this way of a hierarchical way of thinking, you know, softening it and turning it into this round one has made some of the challenges almost not really a, a big deal because they're not at the center of what we're trying to do. So whether it's fundraising, the way we fundraise is completely different than the way I fundraised before. The folks that we approach for fundraising are completely different. It becomes a a, a group of people wanting to participate and wanting to provide the finances is different because their intention is in line with our intention. So it's, again, it's round. That's huge. And it makes it um, 
I, I mean, I have to say it makes it easier. I will say one challenge is, is, um, is people, because there's, there's, you know, I have certain skill sets, other people have certain skill sets, but there's things we're trying to do that we don't know, which involves a lot of science, especially when it comes to regeneration. There's a lot of science that we need to know. So bringing in those people with that, with, with specific knowledge has been a little bit of a challenge because most of those, a lot of those people are already on their projects. And um, so I would say that's, that would be the biggest challenge is bringing in people that are outside of my knowledge base. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and what are maybe some of the ways that you and others are enjoying the rewards of your work? I would say that goes back to people. It goes back to meeting, learning, discovering the, the many different layers of human beings and humanity. And the, but the real reward is, and I was saying this the other day, is one of the real rewards is that people really all want the same thing. We want to be happy. And maybe perhaps we've gone around about it in a little mistaken kind of a way, and that's okay. But people really want that, and and everybody loves something. So it's kind of, it's kind of like if we could start to talk about the things that we love and move from that space. People are really beautiful and open to that. And it, it for me, it takes a lot of discipline in terms of what I'm going to allow myself to listen to you know, there's just a lot of information, a lot of misinformation out there. And you have to, I have to make a conscious choice to, to put it over there and to set, to, to say that there's a time to listen to that. And there's a time to listen to what's in front of me, what's in this present moment for me. It makes us better listeners. I think one of the biggest and greatest gifts that we can give to any other person is our attention. Yeah. Is our deep attention. Um, if your ideas and your experience and your wisdom were all wrapped up in seeds of potential action for you to give to others and other places that might be hoping to cover green stories in their area, what advice might you give to someone who would be considering this? Hmm. Well, a couple of things. Amp up your curiosity. Go outside and be curious about nature, not on the weekends, not on vacation, every single day try and, and to, to bring the natural world, which you are a part of, into your everyday experience. Try to become aware of how it is a part of your everyday experience. You will feel how you're being held always by this, how the trees and the oxygen, this play of reciprocity is always in play. And the more we remember again, to put ourselves back into membership of the natural world, you will intuitively know what to do and what not to. And you can, then we can live and live by live by me. I mean, enjoying and seeing the beauty and the exquisiteness of life. And that's going to come from, from listening to your intuition and, and, and again, tapping back into, tapping back into nature. That's it. It's a huge it's become a huge problem how much time we spend indoors and how we've made that okay. And how, like mm -hmm. I said, we'll go on the weekend, we'll go outside. Um, and then I, and I, and I, and I've experienced myself where you will know what to do and what not to do. Cause if it, if it, 
enhances life and decreases life, you'll know and you'll make a different choice. So there's that. And also, you know, we have, again, we have gifts. And I always tell young people, like, recognize what your gift is and then use that gift in those areas, right? So I was just speaking with uh, Dr. Wong, who started a Sun Bear Conservancy in Malaysia. And uh, he, he talked about this, about, let's say, uh, me as a filmmaker and talking to him and how it's, he's, he was like, he's like a, the Jane Goodall for sun bears. So as Jane was for chimpanzees, Dr. Wong is for sun bears. And so he's in the jungle and he's by himself and he's opening up this world of knowledge about sun bears and the importance of they, they, how important they are to that uh, forest and to the rest of the world. But um, if you have a gift and you see something like that and you're curious about it, bring your gift to that. So me as a filmmaker, I may just go hone in on sun bears. And so I tell young people that. What is it? You like to write? Write about those things. You like to talk? You want to start a podcast? Talk about those things. So bring your gift to the things that are needing attention. And the world could really use our love. There are so many things in the world mm -hmm. that could use our love. I love that. <laughs> Well said. Yeah. Well said. So what maybe resource or book or website has been maybe very impactful or inspiring to you in your journey? Um, yes, because there are a lot. There's some really beautiful work that's coming out from people as we awaken. I think Robin Wall Kimmerer's Braiding Sweetgrass um, is phenomenal in terms of listening to and discovering again um, how the natural world plays into your everyday existence and what you eat uh, and, and forward. And also indigenous wisdom, um, really, really listening to indigenous wisdom. When you think about this wisdom that was able to sustain themselves without extraction for so long, for, forever, until we decided that extraction became a thing or is a thing, and as we're moving away from it. So I would suggest really paying attention to um, indigenous wisdom and bringing that into your thought process. And I would say right now, again, putting life at the center of, of, of your choices as best you can on a regular basis. And I think re regeneration puts the hope of life and its continuum, period, because regeneration is in everything. And you, if you are, again, find, if you look at your gift and you, you bring it to some aspect of what we can regenerate, whether it's the soil, whether it's whatever, you're going to be attributing to the continuation of life. So Paul Hawken has a book, it's called Regeneration, Ending the Climate Crisis in One Generation. And it is a guidebook like my bible right now <laughs> um but it has you know it has an action plan it sort of breaks everything down in the areas of interest that you might have but it's just a to me a remarkable um resource yeah excellent yes. excellent so how can people maybe contact you or your organization and find your work your films and your podcasts Everything is over at the emergingworldproject.org. Um, you'll be able to see the projects that are in development at the moment and some of the projects that we've done, that we've done already or that we're continuing to do at the moment. Um, and then also it's a wonderful place for what's on the top of our radar, what we're reading and what we're seeing is, as, is coming up 
and, and emerging from mostly from the pandemic, from the onset of the pandemic. And this has just caused people to go, and so we're really on top of seeing the information that's coming up from people in the places of focus. And also the combination of art, because we do like to look at, um, we, we do like to use all of our senses all of the senses that we know of, and then maybe these ones in between we can start to develop um, by using creativity, by using art as a vehicle. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for just all of the work and really staying open and expressing what you're, what you're observing and what you're uh, intuiting and creating such wonderful forms of art and expression for the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having having me on. Um, I appreciate the work that you're doing as well. I think it's important. And I love the element of, of taking it local. I think that that's, that's wonderful. Again, so it doesn't make people feel like it's out of their hands, but they can just look like right in your backyard, in your front yard, right next door. If you haven't yet visited your local Green Online Hub, then please visit gogreenlocally.org and check out the directories for events, groups, businesses, online resources, and local support listings for your area. If you find something is missing, then let us know or just log in and add it. These are community free sharing directories.